When we think about the uh, the book of Job, uh, just in getting started, chapter one, the book of Job is a is a tough book. It's a tough book in a lot of different different ways. Um, well, first of all, just the fact that it's it's ancient Hebrew poetry makes it um, difficult for for modern readers to understand. Um, just the way that it's worded, the things that it's trying to say, and uh, not to mention that, but more importantly, it's not the things that I don't understand that bother me the most. It's the things that I do understand. And um, the Book of Job is a it's a book about suffering, and it's a book about um, how God allows suffering and why God allows suffering and. Um, the whole thing in a nutshell it, it's just amazing to see it to see it unfold um, at the beginning job is is held up as this great man of God this man of faith this righteous man um, you know perfect not not sinless but perfect in the eyes of the Lord um, of course we know with the the whole of scripture as our guide is it was through his faith you know he sacrificed for himself he sacrificed for his children in the in the way that the old testament uh, commanded and and he had faith in god and and uh, this this man started out as this this held up as this great um, example of the faith he uh, of course you know the story probably he goes through some of the worst trials and tribulations that uh, you could possibly imagine and what's what's neat about the book of job is that as the readers you and i as we read the book we're the only ones that have all the information job doesn't know about the uh the reason why god has allowed this to happen he doesn't know we're told in the first couple of chapters that uh that uh, satan and god um, Satan goaded God saying, you know, you, this guy doesn't love you as much as you say he does. And God was saying, no, this is Job. And, and God allowed him to to, uh, to torment Job uh, for the purposes of his glory. Of course, Job doesn't know that. And his friends don't know that either. The whole book is about uh, these three guys that come to Job and they're trying to counsel him and give him advice about um, you know what he should be doing, what he should be thinking, how he can fix his situation, and in the end result is they're all they're all bad wrong. They're all bad wrong about what they're telling him, about what they're thinking, about the way that they're talking and speaking and acting about God. And the reality is, uh, so many of us think and act the same way. I'll give you just a quick example, and we'll get into it eventually as we as we you know go look through the book. Um. But if you, one of, uh, I think it's Bildad, I, we'll know when we get there, but uh, one, of, one of Bildad's, in one of his speeches, he, he talks about, basically he tells Job, Job, you've got to be, you have got to have done something wrong. You have got to have, uh, have secret sins that you don't, haven't told anyone or you don't want people to see, because in the economy of God, in the world that we live in, if you do good, good happens to you. And if you do bad, bad happens to you. Now, that sounds right. And as a as a general rule, 
uh, we may see that when you you know you do good, God will bless you and all. But there is such a thing as redemptive suffering. There is such a thing, even if even if you uh, you know you follow God <clears throat> with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're going to suffer in this world because we live in a Genesis three world. We live in a world of sin. We live in a world where. You know the, uh, the the sin has marred the creation, and it's all around us, and you just can't get around it. And if you're a believer, you know uh, Jesus told us that we will be persecuted, that we will come into trial, we will have tribulations, we will be persecuted by the world, um, and there's going to come a point when you die. You know, there's some people that think, you know, if you have enough faith that uh, that you'll be healed. Every time you ask for healing, and uh, I have seen people healed by God. I believe that God heals people. I believe that if a man's sick, let him call upon the elders of the church, and they'll come and pray the prayer of faith over him and anoint him with oil. And and uh, you know, I, I believe what James says about those things. Um, but you've got to know that there is going to come a point in life when when you're going to die. You know, if God heals you today of whatever sickness you may have. Um, there is going to come a point, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not 10 years down the road, maybe not 30 years down the road. There's going to come a point where you are going to die. That's, you know, unless Christ comes back first, um, we will die. And so I've said this many times and I'll say it again. Um, in, in Romans chapter 8, it says that, uh, that uh, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, those who are the called according to his purpose. Um, and it says, because he has predestined those who believe to be conformed until the image of his son. So God, God's purpose in this world is not to make you happy. It's not to make you pleasurable. It's not to make you comfortable. Um, it's not to give you a life of ease. His purpose is to glorify himself by making you more like Christ. If you're a believer, his greatest aim in your life is to make you more like Christ. And you know what? Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts a lot because I I don't know about you, but I know my own heart and I'm not like Christ at all. Um, I have so much that, that God needs to, uh, needs to get out of me. And to be honest, I I don't understand how he's got a whole lot more patience with me than I have (laughs) with other people. And so that's just an instance of our sin. But if we look at Job, the first chapter, um, probably let's just look at the first five verses um, before we, you know, before we move on. Um, in chapter one, it says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So what we're seeing is that. You know, God is holding up this man as a righteous man. He eschewed evil. And there was, verse 2, there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. In this day, children and a huge family were, were seen, they're still seen as a blessing from the Lord. But uh, um, the propagation of the, the people of God and the family was, uh, was a, 
a mark of how blessed a man was. His substance, verse 3, also was 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of dang sheep. And 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And what that means is he's talking about how rich he is, how, how much substance that he has. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, each one, everyone his day. So the sons, the Job was doing so good as far as financially and so blessed in this world that his sons basically lived a big party. They went and took turns feasting in each other's houses, um, there were, uh, you know, there were seven sons, and so each son had a feast at his house uh, each day of the week. So you can see where it says uh, uh, his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. Each son took a day, so they feasted every single day of the week in a different son's house. And sent and called for the three sisters to eat and to drink with them. The whole family feasted. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, when they were doing this, when they were feasting and partying, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And it says, thus did Job continually. He did this all the time. He understood that that uh, he had to make sacrifices. He understood um, how pervasive sin is in the human heart. Um, the first thing that we see, and, and what we're doing here is just getting a getting a picture of who this man is that uh, this book is about, and and God's dealings with him. And um, it starts off. It starts off. Uh, innocent enough as if Job was um, Job was to, to quote another passage about David a man after God's own heart he was devoted to God um, he was blameless before God uh, verse 1 says that uh, that he was perfect and upright now uh, perfect and upright don't mean sinless um, so there's many times in, in the course of the book we'll see that Job um We'll see that Job understands his sin and talks about his sin and, and those things. So we know that he's not sinless. And uh, it was Job's heart that, uh, that made him upright. Over in Job 28, 28, um, let me just look it up here. It says, uh, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, this is understanding. It was it was fearing God that made Job perfect and upright. It wasn't because he was the perfect man and never sinned and always did what was right and, and those things. It didn't have anything to do with that. To, to say that Job was righteous and that he was perfect and upright was to say that he was a man that feared God. He was a man that uh, walked after the gods, uh, after God's statutes. And uh, it's a funny thing about fearing God. Job was a man that feared God. But when you fear God, um, you don't really fear anything else. Because think about it. If, if God 
is for you, the Bible says, then who can be against you? Our God is in control of all things. And that means that he knows the numbers, the number of hairs on your head. It means not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't know about. He, If anything comes to you as a believer now, if you're a believer in Christ, if anything comes to you in your life, any trial, any tribulation, any sickness, any any anything that um, brings hardship in, onto your life, it has come because the God of the universe has allowed it to come. And he's allowed it to come for your good. Uh, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. It's hard to see sometimes. It's easy for me to sit here in front of you guys and and uh, tell you that, uh, you know, God's doing this for your good. But, you know, when a tornado blows your house down, you know, on that day, it's kind of hard to see the big picture and to see, well, hey, you know, God's working for my good. So... Um, I don't really need to worry about it. No, you know, you're going to grieve just like everybody else. You're going to ask the same questions Job asks. You're going to wonder why and all those things. But when you truly fear God, when you truly fear him, um, you don't really worry about you don't need to worry uh, about uh, anything else. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example before we move on. Today I was I was in a doctor's office and uh, I was talking to a guy and and his whole his whole conversation his whole outlook his whole worldview was wrapped up in all the tragedies that are going on over um, in the Middle East how ISIS is is killing Christians and how they're they're doing those things and and basically his worry was is that. His worry is that, you know, there won't be any more Christians, that there won't be any more church because, you know, all these evil men are destroying, um, destroying them, you know. And so, uh, of course, we we pray for our persecuted brethren and we want to help any way we can. Uh, You know, I I don't have a I don't even have a passport, so I can't fly over and and do whatever, you know. But um, my my fear is not that there won't be people of God anymore because Jesus said that uh, you know upon this rock I'll build my church that rock being the the uh, assertion that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God upon this rock I'll build my church they said the gates of hell won't prevail against it so it doesn't matter what happens in this life it doesn't matter who ascends to the throne what president is elected or what what party is in congress and all those things our God is still on the throne and he's still in control. And what he says will come to pass. The book of Genesis is filled with God fulfilling his promise through sinful men. In spite of what men do, God fulfills his promise. He'll always fulfill it. And Jesus said that that uh, the gates of hell won't, uh, won't prevail against the church. So... Job feared God, and and that what was that's what made him perfect and upright, because that he he was one that feared God and eschewed evil. He 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 put away evil from himself. Um, the thing about that is, if you don't fear God, then man, this is a scary world to live in. You you pretty much have to fear everything else. You pretty much have to worry about everything else. You know, I mean, imagine. If something, you know, a tornado blows down your house, just for example, you know, that's something that's awful. Tornado blows down your house. Now imagine you've got two choices. Number one, either God is all powerful 
all-knowing. He saw it. He knew it was going to happen. He's got a purpose in it. He's doing it for your good. Whatever, you're going to have to go through all this trial. You're going to have to go through hardship. It's not going to be easy. But at the other end of this, the point of the tornado is to make you more like Christ. However God works out his purpose. That's one choice. The other choice is you got a God who's up there going, whoops, I didn't see that coming. Man, I dang, I, I guess I should have been paying attention when that storm started rolling. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach about a God like that. That, that God is foreign to the Bible. So uh, what a scary world this would be if, if God were up there going, dang, I hope it all works out. You know, uh, you better make sure you're in the right place at the right time because, you know, I'm not really not really sure what's going to happen. Uh, so Job was a man that was devoted to God. And that's why. God sees him as perfect and upright. For us, one that fears God and eschews evil, there is no one. Romans 3, I want you to listen to this close. Romans 3 says that there is no one who fears God. Now think about that a second. No one. So if it was not for the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of God's people, if it was not for the regenerating power uh, that uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, applies to us when we when we receive the death and resurrection of Christ, um, you and I would not fear God. The fact that we do fear God is a work of grace in our hearts. And so, when Romans says that there is no one that fears God, what he's doing there, Paul's talking about talking about the need for salvation, how the whole world has gone away from God. It says there's no one that does good, not even one. There's no one that understands. There's no one that does right. All Everybody has gone away. Um, they're all, no one, they all seek after blood. The asp, the poison of asps is in their mouth and, you know, all those things. But by God's grace, if you trust in Christ and if you uh, have a love for God that he put there, if you are a man that's devoted to God or a woman that's devoted to God as Job was, then the reason you are is because you have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And since that is the case, Christ has paid for your sin and you are seen as sinless and not sinless, but as perfect and upright. You are seen as blameless, not because you are such a great person, not because you are, you know, the 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 most moral person living on the planet, but because Jesus took away your sin. He bore that sin on the cross. Uh, Job was a man devoted to God. You look at verse two and three, it says, um, what I see here is that Job was a man that was blessed. He was a man that was blessed by God. Verse 2 and 3, uh, he had a big family. You know, he had seven sons, seven daughters. And uh, blessing, you know, families are seen as blessings from God. You look over in Genesis 12, 2, Genesis 13, 16, Genesis 31. All those are, are in the outline. Um, I'll just click over to Genesis 12, 2 and read it to you. It says... Uh, and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and I'll make thy name great. He's talking to Abraham there. Um, the family is a blessing from God. And and today, in this day and age, I don't know of another time in history that the family has been under, 
as much attack as it is now. Not only did he have a big family, but of course we read those together. He had all kinds of possessions. Now, when you read the fact that Job had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and all them, you you're, don't picture old McDonald out on the farm with a bunch of animals braying and him living in an old rundown shack or whatever. You need to understand that this was this was how Job made his living. You know, this was his this was his money. This was his his currency. This was what he traded with. This is how his family ate. This is, you know, this is it would be like if I was telling you a story about a man um, of this day and age and said, you know, he lived in a in a you know, 10,000 square foot house and he had boats and cars and, you know, he had a multi-million dollar business and he had all that, you know, what he's doing is he's telling you about Job's life and finances. He's telling you that Job had all these servants. He was very rich. Um, you'll, we'll see in verse, in uh, chapter 29 and chapter 31 of Job that he uses his wealth uh, for good. And so Job is not a greedy man. Job is not a money hoarder or uh, somebody like that, but he is blessed of God. He has great many possessions, nothing wrong with being rich, you know, as long as, uh, as long as your heart belongs to God. And we see that Job was a man that was devoted to God. Um, the Bible says, verse 3, that he was uh, the greatest of all the men in the East. And I think that uh, in, in the immediate context, it's talking about his possessions and his wealth and his power and his influence. Um, but as we go through the book of Job, we'll see that morally, uh, wanting to do right spiritually, you know, socially, he was he was he was one of the he was the greatest one of the greatest men of the East. And, and you can see just by. You know, looking ahead a little, knowing what Job's going to go through and what kind of man he is and how he's going to come out at the other end, um, you know, you can see how God really did hold him up as uh, the quintessential example of of what a man devoted to God looks like. Now, when I say that, don't don't take sinless. I don't want you to I don't want you to think, "Oh, I need to be like Job because he was so good." No, Job Job wasn't good like um Job wasn't good in the fact that God looked at Job's goodness and said, "Oh, Job's a good man." Job was devoted to God in faith and in trust, and Job sacrificed for God, which means that he understood about sin and he understood about his sinfulness. And so what I, what I want you to see is that we can't just look at Job as a example and say, Ooh, I want to be like Job. Uh, because the end of the book, God kind of scolds Job. He scolds him pretty dang hard. Uh, because Job, Job, when, when God first allowed the trials and tribulations to come into Job's life, Job handled it really well. He, he, uh, you know, he said, you know, naked I came into the world and naked did I leave and blessed be the name of the Lord. And he told his wife that he refused to curse God and die. And uh, But as the book wears on and the suffering just continues and continues and continues, you see Job getting a little impatient. Job getting a little, uh, you can see him being less and less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? less and less enduring 
in, in his suffering until he gets to the point where he's just questioning God, going, why are you doing this to me? And, of course, that's when God makes his entrance at the end of the book and says, who, who do you think you are? You know, I, I'm God. I'll do what I want to do. And so... Job was a man devoted to God. He was a man blessed by God. And we see in verse 4 and 5, the last two verses we'll look at, Job Job committed his family to God. Now, I want you to think about this. Job's children enjoyed the blessings that Job had accrued for them. Job was a rich man, had a lot of things, a lot of stuff. He had servants. Uh, he uh, will see when God brings the trials upon him uh, in the next uh, next part in chapter um, that uh, he he uh, God's going to take away all his stuff you know there are people that are going to come down and they're going to raid his caravans and they're going to they're going to kill all his servants and they're going to take away all his flocks and all his herds and everything um, but job's children here enjoyed the blessings that job being a man devoted to God being a man um, that was blessed by God and being a man that um, turned to God in faith, um, they are going to enjoy the blessings of uh, of what God gave them. You see, I mean, can you imagine the life? What, what kind of life would it be to wake up every morning knowing that I'm going to one of my brother's houses and we're going to have a feast and we're going to drink wine and we're going to eat and we're going to have fun and we're just going to enjoy the day. And that was the life that you lived. Um, it says that each one took turns on their house. There were seven brothers, and, and each brother took turns hosting a feast at their house. So at at the end of the you know at the end of the week, you started over. And so, I mean, for these people, for these sons and, and daughters of Job, life was nothing but pleasure. Life was nothing but enjoyment. But I want you to see in verse five. Um, That even though Job was a man blessed by God more than any other man um, in the East or in this region, or you could say, you know, in the known world at the time, Job honored God and he cared for his family. Job petitioned God for his children. Now, I don't know, we're not told what Job thought about his children. Um, you know, uh, feasting every day, drinking wine, doing all these things. We're not told what he uh, what he thought about their overindulgence, um, but you know, I can imagine him worrying. You know, it, it says in verse five. It says in verse five, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, when this was going on and they were feasting every single day, that Job sent and sanctified them. Sanctified means to make holy. And he rose up early in the morning and he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. He was worried. I mean, he rose up early in the morning and he worried that his sons you know in their in their feast times and their in their the times of their excess and their wine drinking and all those things he worried that they had sinned against God he had worried that they had indulged themselves that they had went into excess i mean it's one thing to say job was devoted to god but it's another thing to see a man that is so uh that is so 
it's he's so fearful of God, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. He's so devoted to um, serving God and loving God that his greatest, the greatest care of his heart is that his children uh, would not be on the wrong side of God, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, when his children were out doing their thing, Job rose up early and he sacrificed for them. And it says that he called each one by name and he offered a burnt offering for each one. Um, and he did this continually every single morning. Can you imagine the life that these people were living when you know, Job has all this stuff going on. He has all these herds and flocks and servants and houses and and, and all these people that are under his care. He's one of the greatest uh, men of the East. He's he's got you know every blessing that that God could possibly uh, possibly bless him with. You know, he's he's a wealthy man and his children live a life of pleasure and blessing. You know, they don't worry about nothing. They they just uh, you know eat, drink, and are merry. And, and every morning Job gets up because he knows there was a feast that took place yesterday and he offers a burnt sacrifice and an offering and a prayer for his children, each one by name. He cared about his children's relationship to God. He worried about their sin. And, you know, he worried about he worried about them cursing God in their hearts. And, you know, he worried about them offending God. Now, I don't know the disposition of the children. I don't know if uh, cursing them in their heart would mean that they were actually blaspheming God. But I do know that when man lives for himself, when he lives for his own comfort, when he lives for his own pleasure, when he lives for his own stuff, and he does not live for God, live to serve God, live to to uh, to worship God, you know, live to be in relationship with God. Um, live devoted to God that uh, that he is cursing God in, in his heart and the example of that is is the most common example is idolatry when you think of idolatry you know when you think of idolatry you're thinking uh, of a you know a guy bowing down to a golden statue somewhere or you're thinking of uh, you know I don't know you the lust for money, the lust for whatever, and if if I have this, I'll finally be happy. And you know, when someone says you made your truck an idol, you think that's a that's a stupid suggestion because I'm not out in the driveway bowing down to my truck. Um, but the reality is, our hearts are are voracious idol factories. They will crank out an idol out of just about anything that you can make. Uh, and when I say that, I'm talking about good things. You know, of course, we know drugs can be an idol. We know, you know, lustful pleasures can be an idol. Money can be an idol, all those things. But you need to understand that all family can be an idol. Uh, your children can be an idol. Your wife can be an idol. Your husband, um, your job, your the things that you do. Food can be an idol. The things, the things that God has given as gifts can become idols. And so... When he says, you know, when Job says that he's worried about his children, that they might have cursed God in their heart, you know, imagine, imagine the blessing, imagine the, the ease and comfort of living where every day is just a feast. Every day is a party. You have no worries. You have no, you know, you have no cares. You have no responsibilities. 
you just, you know, some of you right now are probably thinking, wow, that'd be great. You know, I can remember being a kid and I'd go to school and I had a dog at the house. I was like, man, how great would it be just to be a dog? You don't have to do nothing. You just lay around all the time. And so that kind of appeals. But you need to understand, and I need to understand as well, that when you live, when you live your life for your own comfort or your own pleasure or your own whatever, you have taken what God has given as a blessing and you've made it an idol. And that's what Job was worried about, about his children. And the whole reason that these first five verses um, are here and the reason why um, it starts this way, I think, is because it's showing how devoted Job was to God. It it wasn't that, you know, it, it wasn't that... Uh, you know, Job was just following the rules or doing the rituals or doing good things. Um, it, it's showing us the difference between Job as a man devoted to God and Job's children who had the same blessings, who were enjoying the same blessings that Job's children, that Job was enjoying. Let me try that again. Job's children were enjoying the same blessings that Job was enjoying. They were taking part in the fact that God was blessing them with money and with servants and with a business and with cattle and with, you know, all these things. And you see the response to blessing. Um, Job responds with gratitude, with devotion, with sacrifice, with, you know, sacrifice, it uh, implies that he has repentance, that he was offering uh, to God, you know, uh, he, 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 he uh, responds to that blessing with, with love and devotion. But the children responded to the blessing that God give them, gave them with self-centered appetite. They only cared about themselves they only uh, took comfort in you know the material things of this world and that's made evident we're not given the actual thoughts and speeches of the children but it's made evident in the fact that job was worried about them job you know continually sacrificed for them because when those feast days were going on and all this stuff was happening he was worried that they were secretly cursing god in their hearts by making idols out of all this material stuff, all this pleasure, all this comfort that God had given them. How you respond to God's blessing shows a lot. I want to just say a couple more things and then we'll we'll wind this deal up. But <clears throat> um, I've seen a lot of people, and I've been this person, so it's not just about, hey, you guys, you're all doing bad. It's about me too. Um when God, the more God blesses me, let me just use me, and you know, you can decide whether it applies to you or not. The more God blesses me, the more He gives me comfort, the more He gives me ease, the more He gives me um, blessings where I don't have to worry about this or worry about that, or I don't have to be concerned about where this is going to come from. Uh, when nothing's going wrong and everything's just rocking right along, I don't tend to be more devoted to God. I tend to be less devoted. That's when I get lazy in my prayers. That's when I get lazy in my study. That's when I get, you know, lazy in my in my communion with God, in my in my seeking his face and trying to do his will. Um, it's when hardship comes. It's when 
tribulation and trial comes. It's when fear comes. It's when when those things attack and and everything's not going the way it should be. And and there's there's doubt and there's there's fear and there's worry and there's what do I do? And and it's when those things come when I tend to seek God. And that's very it's selfish and it's sinful and even as it's coming out of my mouth i i mean it's 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 disgusting um that it would be the case but uh i've seen it in a lot of people as well um you know just for example there's people at, at church that <clears throat> you know if they're going into surgery the next morning they're they're going to be at church that night they're going to come to the front and they're going to request prayer and of course we're going to pray for them i mean but if everything's rocking right along they could take it or leave it uh when 911 happened you know i'm i'm old enough to remember where i was and all that uh the day after churches were filled i mean across the nation churches were filled with people and you know why because there was uncertainty there was fear. There was worry. There was what's going to happen. Is God going to take care of us? You know. And then you see as the security uh, threat diminished, and every they realized, hey, you know what, life is going to go on, and everything's going to be fine. Um, it just kind of faded away. It kind of faded away. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a man in my office. His uh, his wife had left him, and he had been a member of our church at one time, but had left. And uh, he was coming back, and his his main deal, it seemed to me, was that he wanted his wife back. You know, he, he was praying for his wife back, and he wanted his wife back. And, you know, he cried out to God, and he, he came to the church, and, you know, I'm not in the position to say that your heart's not right or anything like that. So uh, on his profession, on his repentance, we accepted him, brought him back in, you know, and, and those things. And, you know, he... he was crying out to God because of a of a huge need in his life. And <clears throat> lo and behold, as is often the case, God was gracious and merciful. And God loved that man more than I would have, you know. And God gave that man his wife back. And then what happened? The man's gone. He's gone again. Not just gone out of our fellowship. He's gone out of any fellowship. He's not doing anything. Not serving God anywhere. Not part of any fellowship. Um, you know, the last I heard, you know, the whole God thing was just a phase, you know. And so you see how the human heart works. That's an extreme example. And most of, most of the people that probably listen to this <clears throat> would probably not fit into that category, hopefully. But... The point is that I can see it in my own heart. I don't just say, hey, this guy's, there's a guy like this and a lot of people are like this and don't be like that. I'm telling you, we're all like that. I'm like that. I, I can see the evil in myself that the more God blesses me, the more I turn from him, the more lazy I get, the more complacent. I get. And it's when God um, disciplines me as a loving father disciplines his son that I turn back to him and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm bad wrong here. And so <clears throat> I think what we see <clears throat> when you read this text, it's not just about Job is a great guy. 
<clears throat> it's not just about go- Job is, you know, Job loves God and he's a religious guy. Um, it's showing you the difference between Job's heart devoted to God and his children's heart. Because this man Job, he was devoted to God when most of us would not be. He was devoted to God when he had every blessing you could imagine. There was absolutely nothing Job wanted for. There was nothing he needed. There was nothing that you know he worried about other than the fact that his children might be offending God in the way that they were living. Um, the human heart, the human, the sinful human heart on its own power and its own strength, um, it does not react that way. Um, it, it tends to love to be lazy, love to be complacent. It tends to be selfish. And, and it's only by the Spirit of God working in our heart that that's not the case. And so when it says that Job was perfect and blameless in the sight of God, um, it's not saying it's not saying that Job is just an awesome guy. It's showing us that even in the midst of the greatest blessings uh, that a person could possibly have, Job was still devoted to God. He was still um, he was still had a mind fixed on God, had a heart to serve God and love God and follow God so much so that even though his family enjoyed the same blessings that he did, um, they could have cared less and he was worried about them, but yet he arose every morning early and he sacrificed for them and he prayed for them and he worried about their spiritual condition and he worried about whether they had offended God. And so what we see here is that this man... Um, this man was exceptional in the fact that he was being used by the Holy Spirit and his faith was an example. And so when we see that the things that are going to happen to Job, what we're looking at here is b- the best of the best. I mean, we can look at the way Job responded to this blessing and we can compare ourselves to him and we can say, man, I, I probably wouldn't be, yada, I wouldn't be as devoted as Job is, it's only by it's only by God's grace and Holy Spirit. Of course, we know that Job was as devoted as he was. But I look at my own black heart, and it's like, man. I mean, he is he is definitely the man. And what the book is going to unfold to us is that God sees him as perfect as well. And it's through His Son Jesus that He's made perfect. Job looked forward to the cross, where we look back. Um, but since He is perfect. In God's sight, what's going to happen is God's never going to take his loving hand off him, his caring hand off him, but he's going to allow some of the worst trials and tribulations that could possibly be imagined come into Job's life. And Job is going to suffer like no man, no man before him has suffered. And I think his sufferings are going to be a picture for us of the sufferings of Christ where he went, what he went through for us. Um, and in the end, and in the end, um, even though Job is as devoted as he is, even though he has a heart for God, even though uh, God sees him as perfect and righteous, um, not sinless, but uh, because of his faith and devotion and because of his uh, repentance and his heart, um, even though all those things are true about Job, what we're going to see is 
is that if a if a man even as good as Job, even as devoted as Job, even as perfect as Job, if he suffers long enough and suffers hard enough, even he will begin to ask questions of God. And the point that God makes at the end of the book of Job is that, you know what, I'm God and you're either going to trust me or you're not going to trust me. You're going to trust me through your circumstances. Basically, he goes through a couple of chapters just questioning Job. Who do you think you are? Where were you when I created the stars? Where were you when I created the heavens? Where were you when I told the oceans to go this far and no farther? And basically, he just derides Job uh, because of Job's uh, waning faith in the face of of tribulation. And uh, I can relate with that. You know, if he, Job did a whole lot better than I would have done. And so these first five verses, you know, it's a lot of talk just in five verses, but we need to make sure we see uh, what God is, is presenting us here is that this man, Job, is not just a, he's not just a regular old guy, you know, walking down the street. He is a guy that, that is, is uh, he's devoted to God in his faith, in his life. Um, he's responded to God's blessings in a way that sinful people uh, on, in their own power and their own strength don't respond. Um, they just don't. You know, it's only by the Spirit of God. It's only by, it's only by the regeneration of Christ that, that a man could be as devoted to God as, as what Job is. And so the whole story in a nutshell in this first section is that that it, he's he's showing us the difference between Job and Job's children, who both have received all these blessings from God. Job's children are comfortable, complacent, and lazy. Um, Job, on the other hand, is diligent and devoted to God. And uh, so even a man, you know, the whole book is about suffering. Even a man as devoted as Job is going to go through some of the hardest suffering you can imagine. And man, what a picture that gives us of Christ who was actually perfect, who never sinned, who always obeyed the Father and who came for no other reason than to suffer, to suffer in our place. Uh, Job is a, a perfect type of Christ in this, in this uh, first section. He's a picture of what Christ would go through. And so, you know, if, if, uh, if, uh, if suffering is, is part and parcel of, of what you may be going through now, um, the answer that the book of Job gives us it is not, hey, just buck up, little camper. It's going to be fine. It's not, you know, that, well, you should be happy in your suffering and don't worry about it. It's all good. No, you should grieve and you will grieve and you will do all those things. But you you must understand that God works all things. He works all things for the good of those who love him.